This week on Ultra 64, we're playing a triple feature of Tetris games, and like sex, pizza, and Marvel movies, even bad Tetris is still pretty good. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the block droppinest podcast around. A couple of blockheads here. Just a couple of blockheads, and if you line up enough of us, we disappear. My name's Steve Gunley. I'm Woody Siskowski. We are joined by one of our favorite special guests here once again. Nicole Vatisse. Hi, Nicole Vatisse. Thank you for making the trip. You, I will never okay. get tired of that joke. You live <laughs> You're here. usually here for our sports games, but I, I have never seen a Tetris sport in person. No, it's yeah. Not, it's not like a usual arena game. Uh, what would that look like? You think it would be like kind of like giant Connect Four, just like dudes carrying like big chunks. Maybe it's like yeah. concrete blocks. Like it's like a strongman competition. Yep. You have the guy who plays the mountain on Game of Thrones, who just dominates <laughs> it every time. They have to run. They actually have to run the blocks in to line them up. Like they have oh, to man. carry these big heavy blocks and set them next to each other. And once they have a line of however many long, they can pull them off. This sounds yeah. awesome, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting really excited about this fictional sport that doesn't exist. I think Nicole was just feeling sad that she couldn't be here for the baseball episode. Yeah, we had week. such a great time. Also, yeah. Steve, all fictional sports don't exist. Well, yes. That's why they're fictional. <laughs> yes, so uh, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, te- yeah. Nicole is here because she's a uh, dyed-in-the-wool Tetris fanatic, wouldn't you say? Would you say that's accurate? I guess so. You guess so. That's I, not the enthusiasm have, we expect from a fanatic. We, we want people, when you're on the podcast, we want you to lie. We <laughs> want you to fake enthusiasm about things. Like, we're like, Josiah, come be on this podcast and pretend you're really into motor, uh, like weaponized school buses. He's like, I love weaponized school buses. He was in. So, so like, tell us how thing. you love Tetras and it's your favorite thing. I just wasn't wild about Steve's little description of my <laughs> <laughs> of okay. my like okay. tetris you wouldn't describe yourself as a dyed in the wool anything no okay what but does that expression even mean Steve? it's something to do with sheep yeah that's why i wasn't very into it <laughs> i think it means you you dye the sheep before you shear it and then it's like really good i don't know <laughs> i'm making that up but yes i i really like tetris and can play it obsessively so yeah what's your tetris game of choice um, my favorite method of playing Tetris is really on the computer, but okay. I haven't actually had that in a long time. I mm. usually just play on my phone, or um, whenever we go to an arcade, I'll play there. Which so. we did this afternoon, just we did. As, as a warm-up. We went to, to the local nearby arcade, and we drank some beer, and we played some Tetris, and I lost very badly every time. Yep. <laughs> I liked that arcade, but I was really sad when they opened. They had Robotron on that machine, and they oh, don't yeah. have Robotron on there anymore. And it makes me sad. That's a but shame. But it's still a good arcade. We will get to talking about Robotron eventually. But today we're talking about Tetris. And I'm excited to talk about it because, I mean, Tetris is like the big deal. It is a huge deal for video games, for history in general. Mm-hmm. And as a product, as a creation, I think it's damn near close to perfect. Uh, it's one of the few video games that I think you can make that claim about. It's it's something that can absolutely be picked up and played by anybody. It's the design is so flawless it stood the test of time like better than anything it's very adaptable 
and it's very ubiquitous. It's one of the most popular, highest-selling video games ever made. It's appeared on every single platform imaginable, including some non-gaming platforms like graphing calculators and oscilloscopes. It sold more than 495 million copies across 50 systems and is listed as the best-selling game of all time. I think most of that, and I think the, it was a pack-in game with the original Game Boy. Yes, right? that's Which what is did it. Which a huge deal because the original Game Boy, of course, sold a ton of copies. Yeah. But I would also say that the, one of the reasons it sold a ton of copies was because of Tetris. Yeah, And I'm yeah. sure there were many people who had never played video games before who saw their friend playing Tetris, and they're like, whoa, I want to try that. And they just bought a Game Boy only to play Tetris. There's, and that was probably the only game they owned. There's kind of like a famous sort of quoted, and I think they still teach it in business school because it's something that's come to dominate Nintendo's whole like business model. Uh, and it's by a guy named Hank Rogers, who was the one who brought Tetris to the U.S., and he's, his company still controls the rights to it. Basically, uh, he was trying to sell Nintendo on including Tetris with the Game Boy. They weren't having it. They weren't feeling it. And so he told them, uh, if you want to sell the Game Boy to little boys pack in Mario. If you want to sell the Game Boy to everyone, pack in Tetris. And that's what they did, and that's what happened. Yeah, accurate. So I think it's a pretty cool little piece of advice. So uh, this has frequently been cited as the best game of all time by multiple polls. Polygon recently did one where they had the top 500 games of all time. This was number one. This uh, Game Informer I have here on the table is uh, (laughs) the top 300 games of all time. I think it came in number three. Uh, I mean, it's all. Why did they put that in this Game Informer? Is it like the 300th issue of Game Informer? It's the 300th issue of Game Informer. This one's a couple months old. Um, So, yeah, it's it was in 2015. It was among the first crop of games inducted into the Video Game Hall of Fame alongside games like Doom, Pong, Pac-Man and Super Mario Brothers. It appears in an art exhibit in the uh, Museum of Modern Art in New York. It's been played on the side of buildings uh, in these really cool kind of like art design Things I don't really know what to describe it as. The people, projection they like project on. Is it the projection or is it people inside? I, I oh. thought it was people inside like flicking the lights on and off. In oh, that's the, much cooler. Yeah, I, yeah, that's much cooler. I mean, I think you could probably play it both ways. We actually, when we were in uh, Dublin, we saw people making um, Tetris and Mario Kart on the side of windows with sticky notes. Wow, it was really oh, cool. Yeah, it was like yeah, was it was like cool. all throughout the office buildings. It was really awesome. So uh, this game was, let's, we'll talk a little bit about the history of Tetris. I'm not going to go too much into it, but Tetris has a really fascinating history, actually. It's worth digging into. So the game was created by Alexei Pajitnov, who was a student at the Academy of Science of the Soviet Union in 1984. And video games was not his field. He was a AI developer for robots, and he made this kind of as a lark just because he was bored think that video games were really anyone's field at Russia no. at that time because there was no market for them no and like what, in, I mean in Russia much... we do not have fun we do yeah. not play the video games we play the suffering that's a perfect Russian accent you're welcome I'm not crazy about this character Steve it's not <laughs> I a think, character I think it's I... just my personal uh, this Russian is just roots Steve Guntley out. living in Russia mm-hmm. in the 1980s yes I'm golden I'm a baby hello <laughs> All right, I like that character. I like the vodka. I'm Gold Steve Guntley, baby, from Russia. We don't know that's not where I'm from. You're right. Okay, good. You redeemed yourself. So, um, uh, Alexei Pajanov, he made this game, I think he was only like 24. 
24 or 25 around this time. Real, real young dude. Makes you feel like you've wasted your life, huh? Oh, I know I have. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're high, high wife. <laughs> high oh, wife. Hi. <laughs> um, so uh, the name tet- Tetris comes from the Greek prefix tetra, meaning four, and tennis, which was Paginal's favorite sport. And uh, that has nothing to do with tennis. No. I just think it's interesting because we were talking about how like tennis is built into the DNA of classic games a sure. couple weeks ago. And it's like, yeah. And this is another way. Even in oh. Tetris, yeah. Uh, so he kind of made it based on pentominoes, which were toys that he used to play with as a kid. Were basically just like they look like Tetris pieces. They were five squared dominoes that you could match into different shapes. But he made four squared dominoes that fall from the ceiling. Uh, so it became the first entertainment software to be exported out of Russia. Uh, but because Pachinov's school was run by the Soviet state, all royalties from the game went to the Russian government, uh, and so he didn't see a dime from this game. For the first 10 years uh, that it was out, it, ca- it came to the U.S. in 1986, and it wasn't until 1996 uh, that Pagetnov was able to form his own American holding company and start collecting royalties on the game, and now he actually makes a comfortable living off of the game. Uh, he was also he was hired by Microsoft that same year. They sponsored his visa to get him away from the KGB, which <laughs> it's a whole fascinating story, uh, but again, I won't go into it here. Yeah, there is a graphic novel out there about the history of Tetris with this info, and I wish I could remember the name of it. I want to track novel. it down. I'm sure yeah. you could find it. Yeah, yeah let, me know, let, let us know if you uh, find it. So I think Paginoff's kind of interesting because he's basically a one-hit wonder. Like All of his games after this were kind of just variations on Tetris, so like his next his follow up game was called Weltris, which is just like, it's like Tetris but three D, like you're looking down a well. Okay. Uh, and then there was Faces Tris three, uh, which was just face tri- face Tris, I think basically. It's just Tetris, but their faces you and form you match faces. Them? Yeah. Uh, uh, weird. There's one called Word Tris, right? Word Tris was one of his Hattris, which came out on <laughs> NES, which just hats. Uh, I had that one. I'm just like this one's weird. Um, it's just yeah, it's just hats. So. Um, yeah, like I said, yeah, Nintendo didn't originally want the game, but famously they have made a good decision and got that. Based on the strength of Tetris, which sold 35 million copies, uh, it the Game Boy became the best-selling console of all time up until the PlayStation 2 came out. It was so pop. I remember it was really it was so successful for Nintendo at one point that there was like a lot of controversy over which company had the rights to publish it, which is yeah. why there's a 10-gen version of the game. And like a regular, there's like a black Tetris cartridge for uh-huh. NES and a regular gray cartridge. And like and they're they're slightly different. I've I've played them both and they're they're ostensibly the same, but like I I like the black cart version slightly better for reasons that are unknown and imperceptible. It's nice to be able to tell what game you're grabbing just from a distance. It is <laughs> nice a stack of games. And maybe I just wanted to justify it because when I I bought that game years and years ago, I eventually sold it, but like it was eighty bucks or something when I bought it. Oh like that's a the the black cart Tetris oh. is pretty rare. I didn't know that. I don't know if it still is, but yeah, it was back then. Um, Tetris has actually been shown to be good for your health. I found a bunch of studies, uh, more than thirty. That have been that confirmed the effectiveness of the game in rebuilding synapses in patients with Alzheimer's uh, and things like that. Uh, it's been used as a treatment for amblyopia or lazy eye. I'm probably saying that wrong. I apologize, ophthalmologists. Uh, and it's been shown to be effective for managing cravings, including like overeating and smoking, things like that. Like, what if your craving is to play Tetris? Then it works great for that. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. It's, it's going to serve that need. It's going to scratch that itch. You're going to play it for like. 12 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to play while driving and then throw your phone out the window. Start a forest fire. 
my phone just usually dies, and that's how I stop playing. Yeah, <laughs> play, yeah, play till the phone's dead. Away. And then do you like just start getting really desperate and twitchy and start scratching at your skin? And I try to only play it on special occasions when I'm waiting for a long time. <laughs> special so. occasions, like when I'm waiting for a bus, or before yeah. I go waiting to go to sleep, or waiting for a movie to finish. Sure. Or, yeah. We're breathing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like. I play way, way, way more games than you do, but you find the one or two that you're really into, and you just like dig in. Like Tetris and The Sims, you just you can just play that all day. And I, I get bored faster than you do. Like I feel like you can play The Sims for several hours, and I'll play a game for an hour or so, and then I'm like, all right, I want to do something else. Yeah. So should we? I'm gonna. I feel like we should give the very briefest description of Tetris for very strange people who haven't played Tetris who. Uh... Listen to this show. I don't know yeah. who you are. are if you're there any? if you're one of those people, write in because we want to do like a. I genuinely want to meet the you. person who's confused by Tetris, but is still like, listening to no the Ultra Sixty Four podcast. <laughs> that's like yeah. a that's a very specific yeah. Venn diagram. Anyway, there's blocks. They have shapes. They fall from the sky. And made you of line four them, pieces. Yeah. They're made of four pieces. They fall from the sky. You line them up to when you fill up a line of them, that line disappears, and you just play until you're sick of it, or your screen it's, fills up at the top. You and stack you them die. up too high and then you die. Can you think? Is this the first game of its kind, like a like a falling block puzzle game? Because I mean, this mm. this spawned an entire genre. Like yeah, I was going right. to say ripoffs, but it's basically just a genre now. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if there were any that came before this. I don't know. R- I can't write I mean, in if you can think of one. I can't that's really older. think of any puzzle games that even exist. I mean, it was my like Minesweeper, right? Like yeah, was, Minesweeper is pre Tetris. Oh, it might oh. be. I don't know. But I mean, that's not a well. Problem. No, because no, did Minesweeper start out on computers though? It started like, out well, well, like sure. uh, as a pack-in for like PCs. So I yeah. feel like that was probably mid '90s okay. or early '90s when that's when people started buying those in bulk. That's the well, yeah, it sure, on my phone. sure yeah. seems like it would be the the first. I can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that's a pretty monumental thing because it's. It's a huge industry, you know. If you ever played Candy Crush or pumped money into that, like the kid who spent ten thousand dollars on his mother's credit card playing Candy Crush, uh, you know, you you owe. Isn't Tetris Candy that. Crush a swapping game though? It like, is, but you could you could argue the, all the roots of that this kind of game, the, of this the, kind the of block based matching shapes puzzle game. Yeah, but Tetris is I always it always confused me because I played some of those other games like Columns. I believe I played before Tetris, which is a, I think a I did Sega too, Sega Genesis, and that's like a that's a matching color game, and yeah. there's no colors in Tetris. The colors don't matter. So yeah, I actually yeah, remember playing Tetris for a while on Game Boy and not knowing what to do. I did. I, <laughs> I had no idea that by making a line, they went away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think... Well, let's, let's get into the games that we're actually talking about today. There were three versions of Tetris that came out on the N64. Uh, so we're going to talk about those. Let's start with the first one in chronological order. Tetrisphere... This one was released August 11th, 1997, published by Nintendo, developed by H2O Entertainment, and it was a Nintendo 64 exclusive. Uh, So H2O was a Canadian company founded in 1992. They also developed New Tetris, which we're going to be talking about later, and the Aiden Chronicles for the N64. Then they released a uh, Flintstones game for the Game Boy Advance and then went under in 2001. They couldn't keep their head above water. They couldn't. At H2O Entertainment. But uh, boom, boom. So Tetris Fear was originally just going to be called Fear, P-H-E-A-R, and it was meant to be an exclusive for the Atari Jaguar. So they debuted it at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show in 1995, and Nintendo was impressed, so they just went in and bought it before Atari ever had a chance to publish it. 
which was probably a good move because it, the Jaguar was dead on arrival. Uh, it would be completely out of production within a year. <laughs> Why are you giggling? <laughs> I don't know. Nicole's All right, so one thing yeah. I want to say about this game... Um, is this game does not play like a Tetris game at all. No. Like, it says Tetris in the name, but there are no falling blocks. Um, you're actually th- you're actually dropping blocks onto a sphere. So yeah. you're, like, looking from outside on this 3D sphere, mm. and you need to drop blocks, and by matching the shapes you of three or more, you make the blocks disappear. And then you're trying to dig towards the center of the sphere, and that's how you beat the level. So it's... Very confusingly named. I feel yeah. like Sphere, or Fear, you said. Was, Fear. Which is cl- kind of a clever name. Yeah. Um, would be a much better name because I'm sure people bought this game and were like, what What the hell is this? Like, this is not Tetris at all. Because there was no Tetris game out yeah. on the N64 at this point. This is the first one this with that name. One, yeah. So people are like, yeah, I want Tetris for mine N64. Yeah. And then they get this and it's just... This it's game not is, quite there. The shapes are the same. I'll give it that. Yeah. Uh, this game I would describe as... Bizarre and unintuitive. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't mean that as like. I mean, I like this game a lot, but mm. like, you definitely, if you play it and you're expecting something, it is not very clear on what the mechanics are. No, um, no. And I was very puzzled by it, and not in the way that puzzled <laughs> yeah, way. Um, there's essentially only two buttons. You mm. can hold B to sort of grab a piece and shift it to like have it match up with another one, and then you press A to drop a piece down. Um, Oh, and sometimes if you uncover uh, a special weapon, you can, like, shoot a firework, which will destroy a bunch of blocks at once. Um, but it really has... N- I just I want to emphasize this again. Mm. This game has <laughs> nothing in common with the Tetris that you are used to. Now, it does have shapes that are similar to Tetris. Yeah. But yeah. it is more like the... It's honestly more like Candy Crush in the way that you play it. We definitely had to watch the tutorial... To yeah. figure out what we were doing, and we still weren't great at it. It's it's a little clumsily laid out, and I think it, it's obvious that this wasn't meant to be a Tetris game. And I think they had some problems in the development of this because they had to retrofit it into a Tetris game. They actually brought in Alexei Pajitnov from Microsoft to come in and consult on it huh. for like ways on how to turn it into one. Uh, but it was pretty rough development. Nintendo acquired the game, and then they announced a release date of October 1996. Which This would have made it one of the first five games on the system. The problem is they didn't tell anybody at H2O beforehand (laughs) that that was the release date. They found out when everybody else did, and they're like, "Um, shit, no, we're not going to be ready. Uh, And they delivered it more than a year after it was originally planned. And that kind of really took a dent into uh, H2O's stock and uh, really kind of hurt the company. Um so yeah, it's they they this was kind of the beginning of kind of a rocky relationship between H2O and Nintendo which will culminate in something very interesting later. But uh ooh, ooh, <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when we were playing this and you said like the biggest sin like a puzzle game could have is to be unintuitive. And this is not. Uh it's, it's it took me a long mean- time to figure it out. This is not intuitive. This, this is, is not unintuitive. This, this isn't is not unintuitive. <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. I Perfect fixed, sense. I fixed it. Speaking of unintuitive. Yes. <laughs> I, no, that, that sentence is a good metaphor for this game, I yeah. think. Yeah, it, it's taken the long way around to make something just, I don't know, it's just kind of confusing. Some of the matches, sometimes there'll be blocks under the block you're trying to match, so it's not clear that there's going to be three there that you'll be able to match. 
Um, but your your icon will change color, um, which also makes it almost too easy if you're just looking for if you're just scrolling around looking for uh, like okay, so you have a shadow that's indicating what shape you have and where you can lay it. Yeah. And when you can lay it on a piece that will work, uh, it'll light up. Yeah. So if basically you, you just need to search around for the white shadow. Sure. If you drop it wrong, you take a damage. You yeah. have three hearts. Um, I think there's two. Oh, the other thing, you'll also take damage if you take too long. The screen will slowly zoom in towards the sphere, so you'll start seeing less and less, and it gets which stressful. Which kind of anxiety-producing. Yeah, yeah. Which, is a, which is, I think, yeah. the point. Yeah. Um, and you can get three hits of that. Um, I think there's two kinds of puzzle games. I think that there are speed puzzle games mm-hmm. where the point is just to find matches and go fast. Yeah. Um, and then there are more like think it out puzzle games where you need to plan all of your moves. Um, this one is definitely a speed game. Like it's not I agree, it's easy at the beginning because it just tells you where you can drop for matches. Yeah. Um, but as you get farther in the one player modes, you get less and less time between drops so you're just madly trying to find a place where you can drop it and keep digging um i've played this game quite a bit and it it gets exciting this this was my second time and it it grew on me eventually like the first time i played it i'm like what what is this i hate this (laughs) this makes no sense i I gave up after like 15 minutes because it was giving me a headache uh, but this time we stuck with it a little bit. And once you figure out some of the systems, like I like that you can drag the pieces, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize the first time I played. Like you can drag the pieces and there's little like single square purple icons that are just kind of there to get out of the way. Yeah. You can drag your piece and like get rid of those by dragging them into them, which I liked. Uh, and you can kind of retrofit it a little bit. There's a little more strategy than there initially seems. Uh, and there's a good variety of modes in this. So I think the main event is probably rescue mode. Uh, that's the most fun one, I thought. That's where there's a little robot trapped inside the sphere, and you need to dig down and just open up a big enough hole for him to escape out of. Yep. I think that was the most fun. Sure, right? I mean, say? yeah. Yeah. All the modes are kind of the same. Like, there's another mode where you have to uncover pictures, and sometimes there's multiple pictures, or sometimes they're in a very specific part of the sphere. Yeah. So you have to dig down. But they're still basically, you're destroying blocks and digging. It's the same game. Play. Yeah. yeah. There's also a puzzle mode. Um, where you get a limited amount of moves, slides, and drops. Um, and so that's really like you need to plan out your moves perfectly. And I hate those kind of modes. I find them very frustrating. I'm not a fan, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I appreciate the uh, thought that goes into them. and they're, they're But still, yeah, they're not that fun to play. There's also a multiplayer mode. Um, it goes up to four-player, but that's confusing because you yeah. still only play two. You play one-on-one. And I'm, I'm also kind of glad about that because I think they realized that you couldn't do four-player split-screen with this game. I feel yeah. like it'd be just it'd be gobbledygook and you wouldn't it's be able to tell what's to happening. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like a tournament mode. Yeah, you just player. cycle through on two players. So it's a little confusingly laid out, but it's not bad. Uh, I, I don't know. that. I thought the little robot characters were gross. Yeah, they know. thought they were gross. I don't know why. I found, why? Them, gross about I found them? them unappealing. <laughs> They're just, they looked sloppy and they looked poorly animated. I mean, they weren't like super cute, but they weren't terrible i don't know <laughs> maybe i'm being too harsh on I mean, them but i don't know i'm just like yeah yeah i don't know i'll be like your cute little toys in your office <laughs> well nothing can, nothing can. <laughs> i think this game has a, I, I don't know i like the aesthetic of this game i feel like the the spherical blocks sort of floating out in space i feel like they kind of match it um yeah. former or guest on the show look for him in the snowboard kids episode um neil crow mm-hmm. uh pointed out that he really likes the music in this game um, and I agree with him. I yeah. think that um, it does a good job of being kind of space-agey 
and exciting without being distracting. Um, it's definitely like the kind of music you could listen to like while you were just doing something else. Yeah, it's it's um, you know early techno music mm-hmm. before but it's like not techno like, had been like this big mainstream thing. You know, it's uh, not like super thumpy. No, it's, no, no, it's not too bad. Yeah, I would put it like a four on the thumpiness. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what's a five on the thumpiness? Oh, uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> what does this scale go to? I'm just curious. It goes to. I don't know. I didn't think this through <laughs> my scale of thumpiness. You caught yeah, the me. The perfect you opportunity to say it goes to eleven. Oh, and uh, you you blew it. You ah. blew it. I've, certainly, Spinal Tap jokes have been they're worked time, to death, they're right? as timely yeah. as ever. Oh yeah, because um, we're talking about a game from 1984. So there you go. Well, not this game particularly. No, but it's but, source. It's source. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like this game it, it, it gets a good spot of like it's exciting, but you can get into the zone of like just playing it and dropping stuff and i don't know i like this game i feel like were i a drug person Mm -hmm. uh i would just smoke a little weed and play this game yeah i feel like this would be a good match for that yeah because uh it would minimize my frustration that i feel with it when i play by myself (laughs) um yeah no it's fine it it grew on me but uh it's still i i would still say the steep learning curve is kind of prohibitive i mean Uh, steep in the sense that it might take you like 10 minutes to figure out what the heck's going on you underestimate how dumb i am Uh, yeah we all do you put up a good a good facade it's the glasses uh, yeah yeah yeah. is that (laughs) not the word facade facade. what is a facade there is no facade well now i look dumb (laughs) give me those glasses steve (laughs) We're gonna get people writing in on how to pronounce that now. <laughs> I hope they do. I was really happy with uh, them telling us how to pronounce infogram. So that's that's yeah, infogram. Keep, keep infogram. correcting them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keep correcting. Keep correcting them. us. I guess. Let's move on Not to the you. next. You game. don't make any mistakes <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. Uh, let's move on to the next game. This is Magical Tetris Challenge. This was released January fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Published and developed by Capcom. It was also released in arcades on PS one and on Game Boy Color. I do need to clarify because I've caught some crap from people in early episodes. I think in the first episode I said something like there was only one Capcom game released on the N64 and I got a bunch of people like angrily shouting me down. So I was wrong. There are three Capcom games <laughs> on the N64. Yeah, and this was the one you missed. This was the one I missed. Yeah, well, I, I missed this and Resident Evil 2. Oh, uh, because that was a port. Weirdly, the only one I was thinking of was Mega Man 64. Okay, um, which is also a port, I guess. It is, yeah. The, yeah. Um, so, yes, I apologize. And this was Capcom the first Capcom release game for this system. I, I believe know. so, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, Capcom is one of the biggest gaming companies of all time. They have a huge stable of immortal characters enough to sustain multiple fighting games. <laughs> uh, yeah, Capcom's great. Uh, and this game is kind of the result of a lucrative deal that they had with Disney back in the 90s and early 2000s to produce their games. So that re- uh, resulted in some games like uh, DuckTales, which is an all-time mm-hmm. classic, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Magical Quest, and Aladdin. I love Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. I think a lot of the sprites, um, or at least a lot of the designs for these characters are like pulled directly from Magical Quest for this game. Oh, really? Yeah. Goofy looks almost identical. I mean, okay. He's a little higher polygons. And that's there, a Super but... NES? Yeah. Okay. See, that one I have not played, but I played the hell out of Aladdin. And yeah. Chippendale what? might have... I think Chippendale was my first video game. What, what format is Aladdin on? It was on Genesis and Super Nintendo. Okay. I, the gen- I I they're pretty that. different. The, the Genesis, Genesis version is the best version. I yeah, think. I really but, uh, like the Genesis that's, version. That's an all-time classic, but yeah. Um, no, so th- this was a good little run of games. This one's coming towards the end of their deal with Disney, but... Uh, 
They did actually recently re-release the Disney Afternoon Collection for the PS4 and Xbox, which uh, I highly recommend. Six games, uh, all the NES classics, Tailspin and Dark, Darkwing Duck and all those games. Darkwing Duck's really good, too. Yeah, that's, that's a really fun one. Like a Mega Man knockoff, right? It is, yeah, but it works really well. Uh, so this game features Disney characters, obviously. It lets you control one of four, uh, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, or Goofy. Well, that's misleading. It doesn't let you control the characters. Well, you get to select them as your avatar, yeah. I guess I should say. Because you're really only controlling the Tetris box. Really, if you're thinking yeah. about it, they're they're down next to the Tetris box's moving wheels. Oh, okay, so, so you are, because you're controlling their hands. We're controlling their hands. Which are dictating where the Tetris block goes. Exactly. So it's like a oh. kind of symbiosis between us and the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> the mouse and us have a soul bond. Don't remove the mouse. For too long, Tetris has been unmagical. At last, your prayers have been answered with magical Tetris challenge. Enjoy the magic of Minnie constantly telling you to change your clothes. And make vegetable cookies. Vegetable cookies. Fuck you, Minnie Mouse. I feel like I would bite into one of those cookies and be so pissed off. Well, she only calls them vegetable cookies in one part. The rest of the time, it just says cookies. So they could be real cookies. I think at she other just times. realized the error of her ways, like, she, and she realized that she was giving away the deception early. Oh yeah, you don't tell people there's vegetables. You make them eat them and be like, "Weren't they good?" And then you tell them there's vegetables. This is what you've been doing to me, haven't you? Oh, you yep. fucking monster! Steve, you want some pudding? <laughs> cling, cling. That's it's the sound. Zucchini. Zucchini pudding. Yep. If you heard that cling just now, it was me throwing my wedding ring in the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, we record this, this in marriage Steve's bathroom. Is yes. Over. Yeah. Well, we don't, but we also have a toilet in my office just because I got sick of getting up to go while I'm He's at work. Disgusting. We're living I'm in the 21st dis- century, people. It's the future. Anyway, this game is about toilets. Let's keep talking about it. <laughs> no, this um, game is Tetris. You know Tetris? This is like Tetris. I play Tetris with my poo. Poochus. That's ooh, the next. That's ooh, the next one. Ooh, that's the next one Steve, that he's working ooh, on. Move on. <laughs> Our show's going downhill fast. I'm about to be pulled off stage with a cane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get the gong. Anyway, this is one of the rare puzzle games that has a story mode. Uh, if you're, I don't know, it's not an interesting story, but it's a story. <laughs> and it's actually four distinct stories based on who you play. Uh, you kind of end up in the same place either way. Like, uh, the first level is always going to be you playing against Minnie as you're baking cookies, but it's how you get there varies. But it's a very confusing premise for a story mode because this game is built around, like, verses. It's yeah. you versus a computer, and they're like, hey, help me make these cookies, and then you play against each other, and if you lose, you get a game over. It's like, I thought I was helping you make the cookies. Why are we Why are we showdown te- Tetris style in this? Life is struggle, Mickey! Ha 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 Yeah. That was from the game. That was a sample oh from the game. God. Everyone's crying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's all it's all in battling. So in a way, it's kind of like Tetris Attack, except just with classic Tetris. Uh, we'll yeah. talk more about Tetris Attack with a later game. Ooh. But uh, we were talking about earlier, we are uh, very big fans of Tetris Attack. Um, so, yeah, it, it's fine. The, the big difference here is that... Uh, yeah, what the makes magical, this game magical? The magical Tetris blocks come up uh, and we're still trying to figure out exactly what triggers these. But every once in a while, you'll get a misshapen block made of five pieces instead of four. Or a million. Or you, you, or a million. you get some huge ones. Yeah, occasionally, one. like, the biggest it can get, I think, is a five-by-five five block, which we, we were still trying to figure out. Like, we think it's because of when you trigger combos. It like, drops if you trigger a big a one on a combo, your opponent. It drops a deuce on them. It drops a big old tetra putris on them. Um, but... Uh, we couldn't quite tell because Nicole, you were watching it kind of closely to see yeah. what they were doing, and it wasn't. It didn't clear. seem like it matched up, but maybe it did. Maybe I just 
Because it, it's hard because you're wa- trying to watch both yeah. people. So. Well, and you have a little magic meter that's filling up at the bottom. And then if you get enough of that, then like half of your screen turns into a rainbow and, and eliminates... Wipe, wipes the top area. Yeah, it wipes out everything caught in the rainbow. Uh, which, yeah. Yeah. As happens with rainbows. Don't yeah. stick your hand in those things. Overall, I think this game was... I mean, it was it was Tetris. Yeah. It, it worked yeah. as Tetris, but it was actually much harder harder than i was expecting was really hard yeah the so the fir- the solo mode is like weirdly hard yeah mini yeah. mini goes for the throat right she from does. the start making yeah. those vegetable cookies she's like they one of those disease lost. carrying mice that's like yeah it kills cats and stuff. yeah we didn't get past the first level no, no. yeah it's pretty sad <laughs> so i mean and, and also part of it like i got a little bored with it i'm just it, like yeah. yeah it's it's colorful and bright but like i think you pointed out like the sprites look like they're super nintendo era yeah which I'm, I like seeing 2D graphics on the N64. That's kind of rare, but it also doesn't look very good. There's nothing that interesting to look at. And you were pointing out like the, the soundtrack. It sounds like it's cribbing sections from other more popular songs. Oh, the intro <laughs> music sounds like the beginning to Prince's 1999. And, well, I also hear, yeah, the, the bass line when you're playing is... Uh, Straight from Good Vibrations by Mark and Mark oh. and the Funky Bunch. Oh. Uh, and uh, there was a little bit of Jump Around uh, by, uh, uh, who the hell is that? God, who is that? It's the guy from Everlast, and I'm forgetting his name. House of Pain. House of Pain. Get up your feet and jump around. Jump we, around. We've yeah. had a lot of blank yeah. stares at you this recording, Steve. Uh, I know. I mean, I'm glad it's coming across in audio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've had a few beers, people. I'm sorry. So... Yeah, I mean that's kind of all there is to say about yeah, I this mean, one. I mean, there's a two there's a two player mode, of yeah. course, um, where you can drop things on other people. There's, yeah, the, I think there's probably just a mode where you just drop, play by yourself and drop and make lines, but yeah. that's kind of hidden behind the two player competitive versus. Yeah, there's up down mode, which is just like the ground is raising up, but otherwise it's still just Tetris. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our last game that we're talking about today. That's called The New Tetris. Uh, this was released just a few months later, July 31st, 1999, published by Nintendo and oh, developed. I guess we should say that I believe that the Magical Tetris was an arcade port. Oh, I like, said that, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did? It was, oh. Yeah, so I should that's pay why better I attention. Pay better attention to the show. No. So it's published by Nintendo and developed by H2O again and uh, Blue Planet Software. So, uh, And this was, uh, again, a Nintendo 64 exclusive. So Blue Pan- H two oh I guess we're about to learn so sorry go ahead oh no I, wanna, yeah. I just feel like there's some weird tie in between H two O and Blue Planet Software oh. it can't be a coincidence right well Blue Planet Software was originally known as Bulletproof Software and it's the company that was run and formed by the aforementioned Hank Rogers who brought Tetris to the U S uh, and they've been managing the Tetris license ever since. And they've also managed all the weird spin-offs, Weltris, Hattris, Yoshi Cookie, which oh, is yeah. kind of a Tetris type of game. And the very weird first-person Super NES shooter, Faceball 2000. <laughs> yep. Which wow. you go around shooting smiley faces. It's a very strange <laughs> game. Uh, all right, so what's so new about the new Tetris? Well, not a whole hell of a lot. No, it's <laughs> a very misleading misleading title. There's there's four-player mode. You get yeah. four players sim- simultaneously. Uh which basically just makes all of your screen really small and kind of hard to see. Yeah, even if you're playing with, we played three players, it still shows all four units. Yeah. All four Tetris units, Tetris squares. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, they're not using space well. No, they're really not. The controls are also really slidey, which, yeah, it's, it's like, not what you like when you push the left or right, 
it kind of keeps going a little farther than you want it to, and so it can be hard to get lined up. Yeah, not very precise. It's also interesting that all three of these games only use a directional pad. You don't touch the analog stick at all for any of these, which is unusual for a Nintendo 64 game. I prefer it, though. Oh, yeah, no, it's better. It it makes sense, especially in this type of game where you need the precision. Yeah. Joystick. Oh yeah, not it's complaining. Not. Just uh, just observing. Yeah. Just observing. I'm a I'm an observer. <laughs> yes, you like I'm to watch. watch. Yes, <laughs> I um, like to watch. <laughs> so this game yeah. has a the aesthetic of this game is um, you're like going around to various natural wonders or I guess not natural man made like world wonders and as you yeah. build lines they sort of go into this gallery where you can look and look at Nintendo 64 rendered versions of, like, a Mayan temple. Yeah. What an exciting reward. (laughs) Woo! Not very interesting or cool and... Yeah. Just not impressed. And uh, the same uh, musician, uh, Neil Voss, who did Tetrisphere, comes back for this one, but I feel like it's a much more annoying score. I think they're trying to fit in that sort of aesthetic, so it's kind of like it's sort of got that flute music, Peruvian flute music feel. (laughs) Yeah. It's... I mean, it's whatever. It's Tetris. Uh, Tetris, it's four-player. It works on a basic level, but it's just it's nothing terribly exciting. And, the, I mean, the controls being slidey, I think, are enough to yeah, definitely uh, not make it a it's desirable true. version of Tetris. Yeah, it's like I would you, not play it again. You can, you can nitpick with Tetris games because they are ostensibly so much the same across mm-hmm. all these different platforms. So a little thing like that can be death for your game, like... I want to talk about, um, so yeah, the reason that this game would be, I guess, if you need a Tetris game for your N64, the reason this one is that it has a four-player mode, which the other ones don't. Four-player simultaneous. Um, And, you know, the the Nintendo 64 had four controller ports built into it. It was the first one to do that, so it's like, that that was something big they were hawking back then. I want to take a brief detour to another Tetris game that... um, was released in Japan called Tetris 64, which also had a four-player mode. Um, I never played that game. I don't know that much about it. I'm guessing it's just Tetris. But um, it came with a weird attachment called a bio-reader or something like that that you would plug into your system, Mm. and it was a finger clip. And you would put put this clip on your earlobe, and it would measure your heart rate. When you were playing Tetris. Wait, through your earlobe? Can that work? I, I'm sure. just going by okay. the internet, Steve. Are you telling me that the I'm internet asking the doctor. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, probably okay. not accurate, but it, it would... Though so I would also some. imagine that like yeah. a plastic included Good heart rate with work, yeah. Tor- yeah. you know, from Tetris isn't going to be that accurate. Anyway, it would read your heart rate, and as your heart rate got faster, the blocks would drop faster. Oh, my God. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's yeah. kind of cool. I mean, they uh, Nintendo... They were kind of teasing releasing like a heart rate monitor for the Wii. Yeah, uh, and then haven't that, they? No, it never came out. Uh, they canceled huh. it because yeah. Was so okay. Tetris sixty four was the only enough. game that used this attachment, and yeah. it was only released in Japan. Oh, wow. that's so weird. That's I would like cool. to play that actually. All right, so the most interesting thing I think you can say about new Tetris is something that kind of like you'll miss it completely unless you're researching it thoroughly. But uh, uh, yeah. one of the it's not in the game at all. There's there's a <laughs> hidden rant. That one of the developers on the game hid into the, the lead code. programmer. The lead programmer, uh, he hid it into the code of this game uh, as kind of like a, a bridge Bernie fu to everybody at his old studio and at Nintendo. 
uh, and he didn't expect anybody was going to be able to find it. He was just kind of venting and put it in there. Well, because you would only find it if you were, like, accessing the code of the right. game uh, through the ROM or something like that. Which, of course, uh, gamers found it within three days of uh, <laughs> developing it. And it's become kind of infamous. So it was written by David Pridey. He was the lead programmer for uh, H2O. And uh, he, he kind of took shots at everybody in this thing. It's a really long rant. Uh, he, he attacked the executives at Nintendo. He attacked the producer of the show of the game, just said he didn't know what he was doing and just sat around, like, dicking around <laughs> playing video games while everybody else was working. Uh, he took some shots at Neil Voss, the composer, saying that he, uh, he thought he created a really amazing soundtrack but called him the laziest musician in the video game industry. He said everything that came in was like last minute uh, or like, well, it was like pulling teeth trying to get anything out of the guy. Uh, and then he attacked the game itself a little bit. And I've got a transcript of this just for this paragraph. Uh, so he says, this game sucks. Wait, use your, use your uh, angry lead, dev- lead programmer voice. This game sucks. No, don't use that voice. This is my voice. I'm no. David Pratty. No, uh, they, that's Southern Canadian. <laughs> this game sucks. The music is great, but the game itself is not how we wanted it, unfortunately. I mean, it's a good game, but some things can be polished as well as sped up. Could use another month to finish this thing off after all the bugs are fixed. Oh well, woe is me. Uh, at this point, Pridey had already left H2O to go work for 3DO, uh, but the message still was discovered and it got him and his company in a lot of trouble uh, with Nintendo. And Pridey, unfortunately, he passed away a couple years after this. So uh, Yeah, he was not very old. Foul play at work? Ooh, Revenge no. for his angry coding of te- new Tetris? Nintendo murder. <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like Tinder for Nintendo. <laughs> That'd be great, too. <laughs> yeah. that's, the new, uh, that's the new feature on the Switch. Oh. Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo. Oh, my gosh. You match with, with the Mario. Yeah. Oh, that's that's. He's a Mario dick pick. Enjoy. No, no, <laughs> they're all animated. <laughs> hey, are you up? No, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about Tinder. I keep making Tinder jokes, knowing nothing about it. Anyway, no, it's pretty accurate. Okay, good, yeah. good. All right, let's move on to the rankings here before I keep saying stupid shit. Uh, each week we will rank the games that we are playing. Uh, we are crossing fifty this week. We're going with this. This these Man, three. Man, we're ass. It adds up to fifty-one games at this point. So uh, let's hear where we're ranking everything. Nicole, let's start with you, our treasured guest. Right now, your list begins with uh, Mario Party, yes? Yeah, Mario Party's at your top. Super Bowling is at your bottom. Where do these fall? All right. So I've played a lot of really bad games, so keep Mm -hmm. that in mind. Yeah, we make her play all the shitty (laughs) sports games. Um, I'm ranking Tetrisphere, actually number two on my list. Oh, wow. Just because it, it's one that I would want to play again. It was it seemed well made. Um, kind of is a kind of game I like, too. So I'm leaving it number two. Okay. Mario Party is still number one. Sure. But um, someday that will change, maybe. I don't Depending doubt it. you guys yeah. make me play. Yeah. <laughs> it will at least get bumped off by Mario Party 2, probably. I, probably. So. I really wish you were here for the baseball game. I think you uh, would have no. honestly liked it. I don't like baseball. I know, but it was okay. fun. Anyway. Anyway, um, Magical Tetris Challenge, mm-hmm. I'm ranking number five. Okay. Which, of note, yeah. puts it right above Milo's Astrolanes. Yay! Oh, <laughs> Milo's Astrolanes is Nicole's Mace the Dark Age. Oh, God. <laughs> like the threshold for like good, and, bad games. 
Well, the new Tetris was not a super fun game. It was still Tetris. And more playable than many of the other games that I've played. So it is coming in at number seven. Okay. Which is after Milo's Astrolades. Fair enough. Excellent. All right. Not bad. Not bad. You put a lot of thought into that. Woody, where are you going on this? All right. Um... First thing to know is that Tetrisphere is awesome. I think that Tetrisphere <laughs> is one of the hidden gems on this system that people don't talk about that much. Um, I'm putting it at number nine uh, wow. ahead of uh, Mario Tennis, I believe. Um, yeah. I think I think it's fun. You get in the zone of playing it, and it really delivers. Um, Magical Tetris Challenge is okay. The Di- I think if you were into the Disney license, you might enjoy it uh, more. Or if you wanted... It's better than new Tetris, so if you needed a Tetris game for Nintendo 64 mm. that played like Tetris, that would be the one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm putting that uh, number 19, which I think is right ahead of Mace the Dark Age. Ooh. <laughs> um, and new Tetris, I don't know. There's no reason to play new Tetris, but it is still Tetris, I guess, if you needed, it, again, a four-player thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put it number 28, I think, ahead of Quest. Okay. All right. Wow, fair enough. Uh, I feel like you guys all liked Tetrisphere way more than I did. You, um, you, you play it more, you'll like it. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm ranking it pretty low. I'm putting it as my new number 23. So that's uh, right above Star Wars I feel like Racer. this is the first one we've had like a significant disagreement on. This is a big on. deviation. Right? Yeah. Usually we're like a few apart, like was, on the Mortal Kombat ones or something. I was surprised like, you put this in your top 10, honestly. Yeah. Like I but feel like it's too unintuitive. Mine was right above Star Wars Racer too. It was, yeah, so. that's true. See, um, so yeah, that's where I would put that. I would put Magical Tetris Challenge below that. It's going to be my new number twenty-eight uh, above Castlevania. So that's that's what's in. Well, no, that's where no, you put that's where I put new Tetris. So Steve, I, Steve just likes these games less than I did. I think so. Which is and weird because I don't even like Tetris all that much. New but. New Tetris is going right below that. Oh, so number okay. twenty-nine. I feel like it's kind of a toss-up between those two. I thought they were both like just kind of boring representations of a really, like, a legitimately solid game. Uh, if, ha- if you know, push came to shove, I would choose Magical Tetris Challenge over this, but... Uh... One of the strange things about Tetris is, like, how do you keep making new games, cause, new versions of it? Because, like, I agree, it is, like, what what's there in, like, the Game Boy version is essentially, like, a perfect representation of yeah. what it is, totally. but sort of as you keep making these new versions of it, they come off as pretty bland. They can, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard to figure out. I mean, they've they've managed to keep Pac-Man feeling pretty fresh all these years. Uh, well, I don't know about that. There was know. a lot of weird Pac-Man games in the interim. Yeah, of, no, that's like, true. Weird 3D platforming, or there's a weird one for Super Nintendo where you control a guy on a slingshot. Yeah, and you have to like hit things to tell Pac-Man. That where one's to go. so strange. Yeah, yeah, Pac-Man. It's just called Pac-Man Two, I think. The yeah. New Adventures. New Adventures of Pac-Man. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, you don't control anything. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. So I, I feel like it's still, you know, it's a game that's very easily available on your phone. Yeah. I think the phone app version of it right now is one of the best around. Totally solid. It's got some good modes on it, and it's a dollar. Yeah. Um, so there wouldn't necessarily be a reason to track these down. I guess, well, I, I want to, I feel like Tetrisphere is a weird game in yeah. the sense that, like, there's not other puzzle games that play like it. Um, you know, you're going to find thousands of versions of Tetris to play, but you're not, there's only one version of Tetrisphere. Yeah. No, that's um, fair. That's and fair. so yeah, I think not... it has a cool, a cool niche to yeah. try out. If you're into puzzle games, like check out Tetrisphere as maybe, a different kind of thing. Maybe I'll come around on it. I'll, I'll, if Nicole keeps playing it, maybe I'll, I'll keep playing it. But, uh, 
All right. Well, that is the show for this week. Nicole, thank you so much for coming back again. We always love having you here. Hooray. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to have you not playing a sports game. You know, we're, we're maybe pulling you out of that niche a little bit until the next sports game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At that point. Um, <laughs> so next week is kind of a Band-Aid pulling week. We're getting something out of the way, like the first of something out of the way that we've been putting off for a while. Uh, it's what I'm calling our generic racing game round one. Okay. So the Nintendo 64 has a shitload of these really boring racing games that don't really have, they're not a part of a series. There's nothing well, don't, really... Well, don't taint the well yet, Steve. Okay. Maybe yeah, we they're might all like them. awesome. We might like them. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just saying they're games that don't like excite me or don't have anything really to talk about. Luckily, we've reached out to our listener base. We've asked you guys for some discussion questions, random ass discussion questions about any topic you chose. And me and Woody are going to discuss those in between these three racing games. So the three we're taking on first are Ridge Racer 64, MRC, which stands for Multi-Racing Championship, and Penny Racers. Three games, not a lot to say, oh, but we'll have some discussions. I, I know swore that, to uh, never play Penny Racers again. I, I know that people want us to talk about bad video game movies, so uh, we're, oh, so we're going to have a, we're gonna have a discussion there. So tune in for that next week. It's round one of that. And then uh, we've got a really great game coming up the week after that. So don't disappear on us just yet. It will get good again. <laughs> I'm not sure that the quality of the game affects the quality of our podcast. That's true. I mean, maybe That's true. the opposite, really. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's more inversely on proportional. The bad ones. Yeah. I made this graph. <laughs> That's a good graph. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's great. really well. Yeah, on yes. you like the giant, like... Um, horny devil I put in the corner? Yeah, it seems inappropriate. No, a little I mean, sacrilegious. <laughs> sacrilegious. <laughs> All right. All right, keep keep dropping blocks from the sky, everyone. This and fill bottle with vodka once again. I have made putris in diaper. It's cold in Russia. I'm baby Steve. <laughs> I like my <laughs> outro more. <laughs> Bye, everybody. 